This is News To Go, your daily news podcast featuring news from various news outlets, heard via our Anchor podcast app and playing on iRadio daily until mid-afternoon. Now the news. From ABC News, I'm Richard Cantu. The government expects to report continuing high inflation in March later this morning. Something in the 8.5% range is expected. Putin's war on Ukraine and its impact on energy to blame. But the price of crude oil has dropped below $100 a barrel and gasoline prices followed. New numbers out from the Energy Department report in the past week the average price of regular unleaded went down 8 cents to 4.09 a gallon. Yeah, still expensive, but better than it was. And Californians have seen a 10 cent drop in the past week, but the average price of regular unleaded in California remains at $5.61 a gallon. ABC's Alex Stone. An ominous development in Ukraine. A Ukrainian military regiment declared Russian forces used a drone to spread a poisonous substance over soldiers and civilians in Mariupol. The retired Army General Robert Abrams, ABC News contributor, says this does not end until Putin gets something with which he can save face. 20,000 killed, probably another 50,000 wounded, some probably seriously wounded, not to mention all of the vehicles that have been destroyed. He's got to come away with something. Congress isn't doing anything about gun control, so President Biden is taking action to make it harder for untraceable ghost guns. The story from Washington and ABC's Andy Field. Not only will all so-called build-it-yourself ghost gun kits need to have a serial number, the older, unmarked weapons eventually will, too. And if somebody sells the ghost gun to a federally licensed dealer, for example, a pawn shop, that dealer must make the firearm and mark it with a serial number before reselling it. The president saying more than 20,000 crimes were committed with those unregistered and untraceable guns just last year. Andy Field, ABC News, Washington. You're listening to ABC News. As the administration announced new restrictions on untraceable ghost guns, Philadelphia announced the arrest and charging of a man accused of assembling them. Daniel Whiteman made parts for untraceable guns by using a 3D printer, and then he pieced them together with other parts he bought online. So this defendant, who is a felon as well, has now opted the game in Philadelphia. This is, I think, the first type of case that we've seen with a 3D printer assembling these firearms. Philadelphia Assistant District Attorney Bill Fritz, he said authorities saw Whiteman's 3D printer in action. They walk in and see the 3D printer actually creating one of the firearms. The guns were brightly colored and included a particular logo. Authorities called it a terrible threat. Aaron Katursky, ABC News, New York. Once a mighty retailer, you can now count on one hand. How many Kmarts are left in this country? At one point, there were more than 2,000 Kmart stores across the country. Now, there are three. This used to be a real part of America, Americana, and it's gone away. That's Baltimore-based author Mike Lesicki, who has written several books on retail in America. These just dotted the American landscape over the years. They still dot the American landscape but as carcasses, as closed carcasses. Columbia Business School Director of Retail Studies Mark Cohen says Kmart was the victim of serial incompetence, not paying attention to the competition and not keeping an eye on what was coming next. Sherry Preston, ABC News. This is ABC News. Friday nights, 9 Central, true crime, cinematic, real-life drama, stunning, the unthinkable. Follow the clues, the hunt, true crime, 2020, Friday nights, 9 Central on ABC. 
Here is your Tuesday severe weather forecast for Wednesday's expected outbreak. Most of northern Indiana up to Elkhart County is in the enhanced risk of severe thunderstorms. Lower Michigan is in the slight risk. This is our strongest storm risk of 2022 and needs to be closely monitored. The latest area forecast discussion by the Northern Indiana National Weather Service has the following to say. It has been translated into easy-to-understand language. Long-term, Wednesday through Monday, issued a 246 a.m. EDT to April 12, 2022. The special mid-layer air mass will modify early Wednesday, setting the state for a severe weather episode as an upper-level trough becomes negatively tilted and approaches the area. Low-level shear values will be extremely high with generally more limited potential thunderstorm building energy. This combination may cause storms to be severe, even by late morning as atmospheric instability surges northeast. The shear will remain high through the evening as a front approaches. This scenario will support discrete supercells that will eventually evolve into lines of severe storms, or just a single squall line. Given the amount of shear with bowing segments, tornadoes are possible. The best window for severe storms appears to be from about 5 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Time. The main activity will weaken and then clear the area shortly after midnight. Otherwise, windy conditions will develop Thursday and persist into Friday as a deep low occludes well to the north of the area. Continue to check back later with us for additional updates and definitely tune in to our iRadio station Wednesday on News Source 1 Miss Hina. Here is your Tuesday National Weather Service forecast. Be aware of a major severe weather outbreak for Wednesday. The majority of northern Indiana is in enhanced risk. Lower Michigan in the slight risk. Please listen to our additional severe weather updates we have playing on our radio and our podcast this afternoon. Today mostly sunny, with a high near 68. Light southeast wind increasing to 10 to 15 miles per hour in the morning. Winds could gust as high as 25 miles per hour. Tonight a 30% chance of showers, mainly after 5 a.m. Mostly cloudy, with a low around 60. South wind 15 to 20 miles per hour, with gusts as high as 30 miles per hour. Wednesday showers and thunderstorms likely, then showers and possibly a thunderstorm after 8 a.m. High near 71. South wind 15 to 20 miles per hour, with gusts as high as 30 miles per hour. Chance of precipitation is 80%. New rainfall amounts between a quarter and half of an inch possible. Wednesday night showers and possibly a thunderstorm before 2 a.m., then a slight chance of showers. Low around 40. Southwest wind 15 to 20 miles per hour, with gusts as high as 30 miles per hour. Chance of precipitation is 90%. New rainfall amounts between a half and three quarters of an inch possible. Thursday strong wind gusts expected. Sunny, with a high near 55. Breezy, with a southwest wind 15 to 25 miles per hour, with gusts as high as 40 miles per hour. With SRN News, I'm Jason Walker. Numbers coming out of Ukraine are sickening. The UN says two-thirds of all Ukrainian children have fled their homes in the six weeks since Moscow invaded. Authorities have verified 142 youngsters have been killed. But experts say those numbers will certainly go much higher. Meanwhile, Pentagon Press Secretary John Kirby says Russia is trying to take out Ukraine's air defenses. They still have a lot of their air defense capability available to them. They, as you know, have been asking for more. And so we are working uh, with allies and partners uh, to help help get long-range air defense systems uh, into Ukraine. Kirby says that a Russian convoy appears to be headed now 
to eastern Ukraine. These are the early stages of uh, a reinforcement effort by the Russians in the Donbass. It's not clear to us how many vehicles are in this convoy, what exactly they're bringing. It, it does seem to be a mix of, of, uh, of personnel carrying vehicles as well as uh, armored vehicles and maybe some artillery. Also at srnnews.com, a major city is reinstating its indoor mask mandates. More on that story from correspondent Bernie Bennett. Philadelphia Health Commissioner Dr. Cheryl Bettigold says confirmed COVID-19 cases have risen more than 50% in 10 days, the threshold at which the city's guidelines call for people to wear masks indoors. The city is reporting more than 140 cases per day, a fraction of what it saw at the height of the Omicron surge, and hospitalizations remain low. But Bettigold says that the recent increase in infections indicates the city might be at the beginning of a new wave, and city officials are seeking to stay ahead of it by requiring indoor masking. Health inspectors will start enforcing the mask mandate at city businesses starting April 18th. Bernie Bennett reporting. And this is SRN News. A leading homosexual pressure group calls for more LGBT content in kids' shows. The Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation says it's time to push even more homosexual characters and storylines into the TV programs and movies that are viewed by most of America's children. GLAD has released a statement saying it will begin pushing major corporations to pressure entertainment companies to, quote, commit to increasing LGBT images, especially in kids and family programming. Evangelicals and pro-family advocates say the announcement should be treated as a warning. Michael Harrington, SRN News. There is a major battle shaping up brewing now in New York over Orthodox Jewish divorce customs. Some activists say they want the state to broaden its domestic violence laws to make it easier for Orthodox Jewish women to obtain a religious divorce. This is SRN News. A new type of blood test that checks for signs of cancer in healthy people has hit the market. Ron DeRockstra explains. But it's still unclear whether these screening tests will make any difference in cancer death rates. Such blood tests called liquid biopsies are already used in patients with cancer to tailor their treatment and to check to see if tumors come back. Now one company is promoting its $949 blood test to people with no signs of cancer. Government researchers are planning a large experiment to see if the blood tests do actually catch cancers earlier and save lives. Rhonda Rockster reporting. Asian stock markets are lower as investors wait for U.S. inflation data amid unease about higher interest rates, Chinese efforts to contain the coronavirus, and Russia's war on Ukraine. Shanghai, Tokyo, Hong Kong, and Seoul were all down. More details at SRN News. Welcome to 2022 Talks, where we're following our democracy in historic times. I don't think Mr. Putin needs many signs that it hasn't been going well for him in Ukraine. Pentagon spokesman John Kirby says Russia has failed many strategic objectives and is reinforcing troops in the Donbas region. Ukraine's foreign minister said it would be difficult to consider negotiations with Russia following recent atrocities. But Kirby held out hope. This war could end today. Mr. Putin could do the right thing now. He could sit down in good faith with President Zelensky immediately, and this war could end. Kirby says with the appointment of a new Russian commanding general in Ukraine, the next phase of the conflict could become even more protracted and bloody. President Joe Biden announced federal regulations to target privately made firearms known as ghost guns. 
Manufacturers of the do-it-yourself kits will have to be licensed and must add serial numbers. All of a sudden, it's no longer a ghost. It has a return address. It's going to help save lives, reduce crime, and get more criminals off the streets. Texas Senator Ted Cruz and other critics argued the weapons are already subject to the same laws as any other gun. There are zero data, no evidence whatsoever that this is contributing to crime at all. This is a made-up problem. However, the Justice Department reported a tenfold increase in ghost guns recovered from crime scenes between 2016 and 2021. The House Appropriations Committee wants to take up its fiscal year 2023 spending bills in June with potential floor votes in July. The White House is requesting $813 billion of defense spending and about $831 billion for domestic and foreign aid programs. Florida's Republican state leaders say legislative staff will not draw a new congressional map. Instead, they're leaving it to Republican Governor Ron DeSantis to reapportion the state's 28 congressional districts. DeSantis is pushing for a map that would give the GOP more seats than maps approved by the House and Senate. A federal court challenge to the 2018 Georgia gubernatorial race is underway. Democrat Stacey Abrams contends her Republican opponent, now Governor Brian Kemp, used his position as Secretary of State to promote voter suppression. Anytime a party in power feels that their best way to win is by constricting the vote, we are all in danger and we should all be in arms. Kemp denies the allegation. Abrams is running again this year and will face Kemp should he win the GOP primary. President Trump's approval rating among Republicans is holding strong in key GOP states, according to new polling, which suggests he remains more popular than other party leaders. Should Republicans take back the House in November, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy promises to hold the Biden administration accountable, but says he won't support efforts to impeach President Biden for political purposes. Members of the GOP won investigations into the Afghanistan withdrawal, COVID-19's origins, and border security. I'm Mary Sherman for Pacifica Network and Public News Service. Find our A-Trust indicators to support transparency and accuracy at publicnewsservice.org. From Feature Story News in London, I'm Ollie Barrett. The UK says all options are on the table for a response if it's confirmed that Russia has used chemical weapons in Mariupol. The US and UK say they're investigating claims which are circulating on Ukrainian social media. UK Armed Forces Minister James Heapy says it's important to establish the facts. We're aware of them. Uh, we've seen them circulating on Ukrainian social media. We've been unable to verify them within defence intelligence here in the MOD in London, nor have any of our allies been able to verify them. We don't know yet whether they were used or not, but we are determined to verify whether they have been, uh, and that if they are used, as the Foreign Secretary has said, and absolutely all options are on the table in what that response might be. Shanghai's authorities are set to gradually ease the city's coronavirus lockdown despite a continued rise in daily case numbers. Economic and social pressures are mounting in the city after weeks of restrictions. Richard Kimber reports. Shanghai reported a record-high 26,000 cases on Monday, but city authorities say most are asymptomatic and that the situation is stable enough to lift strict lockdown rules on specific residential areas that are deemed to be low risk, as long as there are no fresh cases reported from there over a two-week period. The announcement comes more than a week after the city of more than 26 million people was plunged into a full lockdown as part of escalating restrictions aimed to curb what has become China's biggest coronavirus outbreak in two years.
The spread of the virus has put Beijing's insistence on eliminating COVID-19 under increasing pressure and is causing volatility in the local stock market as investors worry about the economic impact of lockdown policies at a time when much of the rest of the world is focusing on opening up and living with the virus. Richard Kimber in Hong Kong. At least 25 people have died in landslides and flooding in the Philippines. It comes after Tropical Storm Meggy hit the country, causing thousands to flee their homes. Honda says it will spend $64 billion on research and development of electric vehicles over the next decade and plans to roll several new models out globally. Phoebe Amorosa reports from Tokyo. Honda says it plans to launch more than 30 electric vehicle models worldwide by 2030, stepping up production to 2 million EVs a year. The targets come after Honda announced last week that it would expand a tie-up with General Motors to jointly develop a series of affordable EVs, starting sales in North America from 2027. Analysts have warned that Japanese carmakers risk being left behind, as they have focused more on hybrids and hydrogen fuel cells instead. Toyota, which sold the greatest number of vehicles in the U.S. last year, says it expects that 70% of its sales there will be hybrid or electric vehicles by 2030. Phoebe Amoroso, Tokyo. From bureaus worldwide, this is FSN. With FSN Spotlight, I'm Simon Marks. Today, the countries that are making rapid plans to cope without imports of Russian energy. The Baltic nations of Lithuania, Estonia and Latvia, all members of NATO, have announced a complete ban on imports of energy from Russia. They, like the rest of Europe, are largely dependent on Russian supplies, but have concluded the country's onslaught against Ukraine is so grave, there is no alternative but to terminate their relationship with Moscow. So, how to replace the missing oil and gas? Artis Pabriks is Deputy Prime Minister of Latvia. Uh, we would have to rely, and in Baltic case, in Latvian case at least, uh, we have quite uh, uh, strong um, hydropower plants. Where we are going uh, more in the direction of uh, green energy with what uh, people usually understand, wind and solar. In order to get totally away from gas, we will need probably to plan some kind of a nuclear plant. Uh, but in the meantime, I think we would have to rely on uh, gas imports uh, through uh, liquid uh, gas terminals. One of them exists in uh, Lithuania. And another one could be uh, quite quickly put up uh, in our neighboring country, Estonia. And several Russian officials close to President Putin have suggested recently that the Baltic states themselves also require denazification, the pretext used by Moscow for its war on Ukraine. To recap the top stories, the UK says all options are on the table if it's confirmed Russia has used chemical weapons in Mariupol. Shanghai authorities are set to gradually ease the city's coronavirus lockdown despite the continued rise in case numbers. At least 25 people have died in landslides and flooding in the Philippines. And Honda says it'll spend $64 billion developing electric vehicles over the next decade. That's the latest Feature Story News. Ollie Barrett reporting. This is News Source 1 Michiana, Elkhart South Bend. There are historical accomplishments that are viewed as unparalleled steps forward for humankind. Ferdinand Magellan was credited as the first to sail around the world. Neil Armstrong, the first to walk on the moon. Friend, do you remember Sir Edmund Hillary's first? Hillary was the first to reach the top of Mount Everest, the world's tallest mountain. 
Many had attempted to reach its summit and failed. Some even died trying. But on May 29, 1953, after a 16-day climb, Hillary boldly climbed that final rock face of Everest and became the first to crest that final ridge to conquer the unconquerable. Hillary reached the top of the world. Friends, what I find more remarkable than Hillary's arrival at the top is what he did when he got there. His companion pulled out a camera to take his picture and Hillary stopped him. Hillary wanted no picture of himself on top of the world. As an aside, can you imagine anyone doing this in our age of the selfie? Instead, Hillary took a small cross out of his pocket and planted it at the top, and then they left. There are no pictures of the first man to ascend this great mountain on earth, because Hillary remembered a greater mountain and a greater man. Hi, I'm Pastor Joel of Heart City Church, and it's Holy Week the week of Christ's passion. In Mark 11, we read about the triumphal entry of the Lord Jesus into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. Now, traveling from Jericho to Jerusalem was a steep climb of 3,400 feet in elevation over 13 miles. And then Jesus surprisingly tells his disciples, I'm not going to walk the final leg. He tells them to go fetch him a donkey colt to ride. Now, this is not because Jesus was tired of walking upward. It was because Jesus wanted to make very clear his identity. Solomon had once ridden a donkey into Jerusalem the day that he was inaugurated as the new king. And Jesus wants to make clear to all Passover travelers that he is the promised king they've been awaiting. Can you imagine being there, being a member of the crowd and seeing this? Jesus riding in on a donkey after over 500 years of having no king. Mark tells us that folks get real excited about Jesus' triumphal entry in his account in chapter 11, verses 8 to 10. He writes, And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David! Hosanna in the highest! These folks are having a parade as Jesus ascends the mountain. They are cheering and singing Psalm 118, a patriotic song about the Davidic king's battle victory. They're imagining the Romans, these enemy occupiers being overthrown. They're imagining prosperity like in Solomon's day. It's a return to the golden age when life was great. And then comes the actual entry into Jerusalem in verse 11. Mark writes, and he, Jesus, entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he looked around everything, and as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Hmm. This is pretty anticlimactic, don't you think? Jesus goes through the gates. He ascends Mount Zion and goes into the temple. Where's the triumph? The celebration? The glory? This is a pretty strange victory. It's like Jesus gets there to the very top, takes a look around and says, no pictures, let's not linger. Let's go and head back to Martha and Mary's. Psalm 15 and Psalm 24 had asked the question, who will ascend God's holy hill? And the answer was, he who has clean hands, a pure heart and a blameless walk. 
and the whole of Old Testament history shows there was no one who could make it to the top. And now Jesus arrives as the first. He is the one with clean hands, a pure heart, a blameless walk. And we see when he arrives that he does not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He did not come to the Temple Mount for glory. He has come to suffer, to become the final sacrifice. And at the end of this week, he'll actually climb another mountain, Mount Calvary. And this is far more bold and daring than what Hillary did, because Jesus does not plan to survive, but rather to plant a cross so that he can perform the single greatest feat in human history. Jesus came to suffer and die, to pay for our sins, and to pave a path to lasting glory for all who believe, for all of humanity who simply believe. So friend, with Christ's passion on our minds, let us squash our daily impulse to seek for our glory, and let us with gratitude be planting crosses with every victory we have going forward. Remember who you are and who you belong to. Hi, I'm Pastor Joel of Heart City Church. I've played many games of hide and seek with children over the years, and I've found some children are really bad at hiding. But there is one hide and seek game that takes the cake when it comes to bad hiding. We had taken in this young foster girl who was really excited to play. I began the countdown and I got to three, two, one. Ready or not, here I come. And I opened my eyes to find this little girl sitting right next to me with a great big grin on her face and she was squeezing her eyes shut as tightly as possible. And you know what she said? Joel, can you see me? You see, she assumed that if she couldn't see me, I couldn't see her. This left me with a decision. How was I supposed to respond? Should I tell her how silly she was being? Not a chance. I knew exactly what the situation called for. I said, no, I can't see you. Where are you? Where are you? I bring that up because that scene is actually like the first ever game of hide and seek. After Adam and Eve sinned by eating the fruit, do you remember how they tried to hide from God? As though their all-knowing creator would have trouble locating them. God knew exactly where they were and what they had done. But instead of giving these rebels what they deserved, do you remember what he says? Where are you? Where are you? Those are the first words to the first sinners. And it reveals how the seeking of restoration starts with God and not with us. Friend, God's invitation is about showing us we still have dignity and that he cares, which is what Psalm 95 teaches us as we hear God's repeated calls to come. Psalm 95, come. Let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is a great God, the great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his for he made it and his hands form the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. For he is our God and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today, if only you would hear his voice. Do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did at that day of Massah in the wilderness, 
where your ancestors tested me. They tried me, though they had seen what I did. For forty years I was angry with that generation. I said, They are a people whose hearts go astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, They shall never enter my rest. So did you hear the repeated calls to come? It's here in Psalm 95, and it's actually everywhere in the Bible. Do you know you find come over 1,700 times? Let me ask you, if someone called you up and invited you over 1,700 times, could you possibly think they didn't want you to come? My friend, God wants you to come and worship Him because He created you to glorify Him and enjoy Him forever. You see, the greatest gift the Father could ever give you to enjoy is Himself. And to prove it, He sent His Son, our Lord Jesus, so you could see His heart for you walking around on two legs. Remember Jesus' words in Matthew eleven twenty-eight and 29? Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And our Lord Jesus went to the cross for your sins to prove his heart. Nobody has ever loved you more or better. Beloved, do you hear his voice? Well, then don't harden your heart. And if you didn't feel anything when you heard Jesus' voice, well, that means hardness has already happened and you can't feel that you can't feel. Well, pay attention to that scolding at the end. That's why Psalm 95 ends with God getting angry and scolding us to get our attention, to help us to turn to him. Friends, it is a good thing when our father scolds us. I actually remember that as a child. If I had disobeyed, I knew I was in real trouble the moment my dad stopped talking. So friend, don't harden your heart. Come to your father. Today is the day of salvation. God is saying, I love you. Come out of hiding. Be restored and enjoy me. Jesus said in John 6, 37, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. And perhaps one more little bit of encouragement will help us to drop our fig leaves and come. A.W. Tozer once said, did you ever stop to think that God is going to be as pleased to have you with him in heaven as you are to be there? My friend, remember who you are and who you belong to.